What's up, guys? This is your host, Coach Cahill, bringing you another episode of the Coach Cahill Podcast. Today's guest is Middlebury coach Michael Carr. Carr joined the football staff at Middlebury Football in the fall of 2020. In 2019, Carr helped lead the Panthers to a perfect 9-0 mark and route to their NESCAC championship. Following his stellar season, he was named to the All-NESCAC second team. Carr led the team with six pass breakups in 2019, placing him eighth in the conference. Three of those came in a win over Hamilton, where he tied the school mark. The defensive back was second on the squad and third in the league with four interceptions, including two in a victory over Bowdoin. He finished the season with 23 tackles and 18 of them solo. And what he's also really good at is recruiting. And in this episode, we take a deep dive generally into how recruiting might work at a higher academic institution like Middlebury, the NESCAC, or other conferences. If you like this episode, please be sure to give Coach Carr and the Middlebury staff a follow. I think they've got a lot of great stuff going on. They're very transparent uh, with exactly what they're looking for. Um, and if you also really like the show, please make sure you drop a review on iTunes for us. Even just a little tiny bit of engagement with the Apple algorithm blast our episode out to the masses. Thanks. Enjoy. All right, coach. So what do you think is the biggest problem in college football recruiting today? Um, I'm going to say the biggest problem is that there's no clear roadmap. It's, it's different for each school. It's different for each individual. Everyone's looking for a little bit something different for you know each individual you know student athlete um i think you know everyone obviously wants to go d1 that's the goal when you when you start playing you want to be on those big power five programs and go to the nfl but obviously the numbers don't support that for everyone um and so navigating the different nuances uh for each level uh, whether it is d1 d2 d3 naia um you know all those different you know rules that they have and it's not so clear um and um it's not clear from you know the coach's standpoint i think as coaches we can do a better job of um you know helping kids out and and showing them or teaching them um how our system works and how our recruiting process works as much as we can um but also um you know some some uh high school coaches aren't as equipped um to to you know teach uh there's their athletes about the process which is is um, you know, a mismatch for, for both ends. Yeah. And I think with high school, even in the bigger States, like, you know, you got Texas, Florida, and Georgia, California, the, there's a, everybody else in the other States think, Oh, you know, these, these high school coaches make so much money. They're, you know, I, they have full, they're full-time recruiters, but that's not even really true. Even in those States, you know, and if you get a high school coach that is very proactive, um, it's almost in spite of, the way high school football is currently set up, not because of it, it's by chance, not really by choice. And so, like you said, a lot of families are left, and this is true of the larger college process in general. I think families just feel really overwhelmed with the sheer choice and gravity of the situation of college. And then you add football into it and then it just like blows people's minds apart sometimes. Um, Let's go back to that roadmap um or the that which you first brought up there's no clear roadmap what i've noticed about the nescax uh, specifically middlebury is that you as a staff and as a league seem to have a lot more clarity on this is how this is the timeline that you need to you know follow for us 
this is these are the things you have to do by these general dates this is what we are looking for in your twitter profiles as a coaching staff it's very clear hey i'm coach car i recruit these states you know here's how you get in touch it, it seems like it's a no mystery approach um could you discuss a little bit the philosophy behind middlebury's recruiting process yeah, I think uh, the rules that we have from a NESCAC standpoint and then a Middlebury standpoint, you know, just really help us out as, as to being clear because we are such a, you know, high academic institution. You know, we have, you know, certain academic restrictions that make it easier for us to recruit, but also make it clear for the recruits who are looking at Middlebury and they know what they're getting into and how, how heavily the academic piece is going to play a role in, in things. Um, you know, our that, that drives 90% of, of what we do. Um, if, if you don't have the grades uh, to, you know, succeed at Middlebury, unfortunately, it really doesn't matter how, how good a football player you are. Um, and, and so that that's helped us out. You know, it's, it's, it's hurt us because we can't get everyone that we want from a talent standpoint, but, you know, we, we get the, the people that we need and the people who are, who are the best fit for Middlebury and who will succeed um, from a, you know, academic standpoint as well as, as an athletic standpoint. Is it safe to say that the way you guys recruit, it's let me take a look at your transcript first and then I'll look at your tape? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we're always trying to get any kind of great information that we can um, to help us out, but also not to waste recruits' times. So like, you, you don't want to get months and months in the process and, and you've been recruited by us and, you know, you think, you know, maybe Middlebury is where I want to go and we get a final transcript and it's like, oh, well, we, we can't do anything because the academic piece isn't there. Um, so, um, you know, we definitely like to find out as soon as possible to narrow our lens, but also to, to help people out and just, you know, Middlebury is not going to be for everybody. You know, we understand that. And, you know, the, the sooner people realize what's for them and what's not for them or what their possibilities are, the better everyone is for the process. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you talk about what's the, the biggest, you know, problem with college football recruiting it's not knowing where you are and not knowing what you know where you fit in um and and so you know that really helps us and, and it saves a lot of people's time sure what makes a transcript strong in the eyes of the middlebury admissions or athletics process and how did schools going test optional with sat and act this year impact how your recruiting process kind of works yeah so the things that uh, our admissions department is looking for um you know they, they want to see good rigor um that, that's number one uh they want to see that you're taking challenging classes provided that you know your school offers them um so we'll collect a lot of different you know pieces of information um and the school profile is one of them um and, and that really helps us get a picture of you know what your school offers so for example you know if it's a school with no ap's and you didn't take any ap's it's not like oh, darn, I'm at a disadvantage. So, you know, they really want to see that you're challenging yourself, taking a good uh, course load, and then that you're doing well in those classes, um, you know, mostly A's and B's, um, stuff in that area. Uh, from a standardized test um, standpoint, you know, I, I think it has opened us up tremendously um, to more opportunities and more deserving, um, you know, recruits. Uh, standardized tests aren't always the most um, are the greatest indicators of college academic success. Um, you know, there, there are tons of systematic issues with those. Um, and so um, it's, it's opens us up to, to a new, um, 
new group of recruits who we haven't been able to to get to before because of our previous you know requirements and you know we've had a lot of recruits benefit from not having uh, to submit test scores or being test optional I mean we've definitely benefited in you know the, the few years that we've been um, test optional have you been test optional even pre-covid okay gotcha yeah I think of as a teacher for so many years I mean you get you come across kids that have really strong GPAs and challenging courses. And for whatever reason, they, you know, they psych themselves out on the SAT and don't do well. Then there's the kid that's like the chronic B minus average kid who just blows the SAT out of the water. And it's, it seems like it's a little bit more art than science sometimes with trying to get test scores to reflect who somebody is as a person and an athlete. Um, What do you think is the biggest misconception that you have to clear up for parents and players when they are first considering the NESCACs. The the reaction that I usually get from parents, if I'm coaching somebody who maybe their profile is really good, you know, and they're they're, obviously the parents are going to be talking Ivy league or some, you know, cause it's, it's, they're, they're just a little bit better known, but then I bring up the NESCACs and then the the first question is what's that? (laughs) So can you talk about, maybe some of the misconceptions that parents and players have about the NESCAC that you find you guys need to continually address? Yeah, it, it depends on how much, uh, you know, the kid knows and the family knows coming into it. Um, you know, there, there are a group of, of kids and families who don't know how highly esteemed the NESCAC schools are from an academic standpoint um, and, and how selective they are. You know, you, you get the question, oh, coach, is my transcript good enough to maybe get, on, get in on my own? And, you know, with 15 and 17 percent acceptance rates, it's hard for anyone to say that their, their transcripts great enough to get in on their own. So, so that's the challenge. Um, and then I say the other challenge is not not realizing how high um, level of football it is. Um, you know, you, you see, you know, really good, talented football players uh, at the NESCAC. And you know, we've had a lot of guys who have chosen the NESCAC over maybe some IVs or maybe some, you know, FCS opportunities because of the difference in opportunities and whether that's you know being able to go abroad or you know play two sports that added dimension um, that comes with the you know free time of the division three level um, is something that you know I think we're really trying to push and convey Um, so you know guys who maybe think you know it's Ivy or bus you know maybe you you play two sports and, and now you know you really you're passionate about that and you have the opportunity to engage in that or you want to go abroad or um, you know, we, we had a quarterback a couple of years ago, you know, transfer because, you know, one, Vermont was where he was from, but two, it was, it was a little bit of academic freedom that, that he was lacking at the Division One school that he was at. So, um, you know, there's there's that I add, added challenge as well. Yeah, totally. And I don't think families understand that you guys have a very severe roster limitation, even compared to some high school programs that have like 200 kids on it. You guys only get, what, 75 yeah, we, we have had that roster limit for a while. Due to COVID, um, this year it's, it's gone. Um, oh, so it's, it's going to be a, a one-year waiver, and then they'll, they'll reassess next year. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll have a bigger team than usual. So we're, we're trying to work through that. But playing multiple sports, I mean, that's, that's huge, especially if you're, you know, you, you think about just how hard it is to get through the admissions uh, process at, at NESCAC. And if, if, if the mission sees that, Hey, you're, you're going to 
contribute not only in football, but in baseball or basketball, well, that's greater ROI for one kid. So that can really help you out. Like I know a lot of kids that play lacrosse or they play baseball, especially in the Northeast. Um, they don't really want to give up both one or the other sports in college. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely had um, and, and still have a lot of two sport guys. Um, we, we have some two sport coaches on our, on our team as well. That's helped us out, especially in recruiting, just kind of having everything in, in one spot for us, um, whether it be football and lacrosse or football, baseball, um, our, our track coach is a mid alum and, and he played football here. So we have a lot of great crossover in our department. Um, it's definitely a, a plus for anyone who wants to play two sports or to be able to offer that option for people who, who aren't ready to just kind of be single-minded in, in their sport. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think we don't, most people don't know the history of the NESCAC either. Some of the teams in the conference have played each other over a hundred times. You know, they, like these are some of the first, like it, as a joke, like I was talking to another buddy who's a, a coach in the Ivy league and he was like, yeah, in the Ivy and the NESCAC, we, we play our football games inside museums because the, because the facilities are, are they're, they're new and they're modern, but they're so they were built a long time ago. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool too. And there is such a, there's a high level of talent too. I mean, like, uh, you know, Steve Hauschka played it. He was a kicker for a long time. I know Wesleyan's got a couple. It seems like every year there's at least a couple guys that come out of the NESCAC that get a look as a free agent or their CFL or, or something. Um, just because it's Division Three doesn't mean that the level of football is necessarily subpar. I mean, on average, maybe guys aren't like your tackles aren't, you know, six, eight, but the level is still really high. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Another added piece is the fact that we don't uh, go to the playoffs. You know, we don't have as much, you know, brand recognition as, as, you know, say some schools who are consistently doing well in the playoffs. And, you know, we're always joking, you know, how will we have done in the playoff this year or such and such. Um, but yeah, the talent is definitely great. Um, you know, year in, year out, you'll have guys who, who are either, you know, getting looks from pro teams or uh, some guys who are doing a grad year at, at a D1 program. Uh, you see that pretty often, um, and especially with COVID, I think you'll see that a little bit more with some added eligibility. Um, yeah. So it's, de it's definitely, um, you know, great talent level, and, and a lot of people miss out and, and don't realize it until they've seen a game or, you know, see the type, type of guys that we've gotten. So, Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think if, you, if you're a big-time football coach or a scouting department, you see that this kid that started well for three or four years or three years, at the NESCAC level, you know, you know, man, if he can juggle his academics there and he played at a high level, he's probably going to handle his business. I know Tufts kicker, uh, this for the past couple of years, I think Matt Alswinner, he ended up going, I think he's going to Duke to do a grad year, you know, and, you know, granted he, he can hit all the kicks, but you know, it, that's a really big jump to go from NESCAC to, you know, the ACC, yeah. but it, he's not the only guy that does that. Right. Um, so yeah, that's you're, the level I think is, you know, severely understated for you guys. Um, what do you think is some good advice for parents and players in terms of the non-football interactions they have with coaches? You just had a whole year where basically everything existed online. So is there maybe some advice you have on Zoom etiquette, you know, texting and calling? Um, and then what, you know, maybe, so maybe advice on zoom and then advice for how to get the most out of these summer camps where coaches are meeting you in person for the first time. 
Yeah, I think um, being consistent with communication, that's always the biggest. Um, and, you know, like not checking your email isn't a great, you know, excuse. And, you know, you, you can miss out on opportunities that way. So you want to make sure that you're checking everything that you're submitting. You know, when, when you submit this stuff in the recruit forms that, that each team is having you fill out, making sure that that stuff's accurate, making sure that you're, you're checking that stuff regularly um, because, you know, you've provided it. So we're going to use it to, to contact. Um, but the Zoom etiquette I, I've gotten has, has been pretty good lately. Um, I think people are really getting uh, comfortable with Zoom. And, um, you know, my, my biggest thing is always make sure you're just asking the most questions that you can. Um, ask the questions that you want the answers to. Um, some coaches may not answer, answer those questions, but at least you've asked. Um, and, and, you know, that's my personal philosophy. Some people may, may disagree. Um, when it comes to camps, um, and, and I'm, I'm a, a certain kind of camp thinker and, and that, you know, there, there are the kids who, who go to a lot of camps and, you know, their whole summer is filled with every weekend they're going to a different camp. Um, I mean, that's, that's fine and great for, for some group of kids. Um, but it's definitely not the most sustainable and most affordable, um, you know, method. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing to get out of camps is the college coaching that you can get and the competition that you wouldn't get. Otherwise you're getting all these kids from all these different States, um, that you wouldn't have never competed against. And then you're getting next level coaching. Um, that, that's the stuff that, that I really think is the most important. Yeah. You'll have a couple coaches who will be able to see you. But nine times out of 10, most of those, those coaches have already seen you on film. Uh, so um, they're, they're just kind of going to double check some things. Obviously, for, from a D1 perspective, a lot of D1 coaches want to make sure they see people in person before they offer them stuff like that. So that's understandable. Um, you know, I, I tell, you know, a lot of my recruits, you know, if, if it's really a school you're interested in and you're like, I, I want to perform in front of camps, go up and, and see the school and visit. You know, that really shows more that you're interested um, then, you know, talking to us at camps and, and stuff like that, make sure you, you're visiting the schools um, and, and really extending um, and, and showing how interested you are. Yeah. And I think the, the more it's weird, like the more you can make it about the academic side, especially when it's a NASCAC, the easier the football side becomes right. because the the admissions process, you know, there's, there's very limited to, li to almost no leeway in terms of football helping you grease the group that might help you get on the radar for the school quicker, maybe than like a kid who's not playing a sport, but um, nobody's going to squeak you in with a two nine GPA just because you're right. six, seven. I mean, right. they'd love to, but you can't always do that. Um, can you talk us through the, maybe the recruiting process for you from like start to finish? I know that's like a very big complicated question, but like, recruiting is just this like mystery world that it's like, I don't know if you watch stranger things, it's like the upside down world for a lot of families. You just don't know how this stuff works. So how does it start? Do you guys identify like positional needs a year in a year out? Are you guys recruiting a year ahead, a couple of years ahead? Um, and then from then, like what, you know, maybe what does that initial planning look like from you guys? Cause you got to know what you're looking for. And then how do you guys go about identifying talent and then, how does that first contact happen? Cause I think that's what families really crave. Like, Hey, my son's really trying hard. Um, he's just not getting any contact back. So how does that all kind of work? Yeah. So we'll start, um, recruiting, um, you never uh, really stop, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll start, you know, looking for the new class, 
right after you know the class we're working on ends so um you know for sometimes if we're filled up by after early decision two we can start as early as january you know if, if we're going to regular decision you know maybe we'll wait in march or april or may um you know when, once deposits go out um but once we start with the new class um we're you know just trying to cast as wide a net as possible you know get as many guys in our system to fill out our form as possible so we can go through that as coaches um and you know right away you know we can start narrowing down the the gpas from from some guys um and then you know we're watching the film we're, we're watching the film on everyone who comes through so you know it, the the way to get on the radar is put, fill out the form <laughs> if, if you filled out the form we've probably seen your film um so making sure that you you fill out the form like i said that the stuff that you're putting in the form is the most accurate things whether it's gpa whether it's contact information you know we always ask for a cumulative gpa so making sure that that's right and it's not like the gpa you just got that semester because that will really just kind of you know <laughs> delay things throws you but, off. yeah it's, it's 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 a monkey wrench for sure um so we'll, we'll get all that stuff um and, and be watching the film we start grading all the films pretty quickly uh, we have our own kind of grading system and and just kind of going off of that stuff you know as, as we get into the summer and, and camps are popping up you know where, where we are now we will have started contacting kids already. Um, you know, with COVID, we've you know started doing more kind of virtual events uh, to get you know information out there about Middlebury, whether it's kind of a virtual junior day or we have some player panels coming up, alumni panels coming up. Um, so, and, and how that first contact will start, it's it's once we get in the form, we see the film. If it's a grades that we think you know are, are you know workable or doable. Um, and obviously, early on, if we're watching film in, in May or, or earlier, you may not have the full transcript, but, you know, put in as much as you have. If you have freshman and sophomore year in the fall from um, junior year, that's going to give us a good picture. Um, so making sure that, you, you know, provide all the information that you can. Uh, so once we watch that film, if, if it's a grade that, that we like, um, you know, we're, we'll contact um, pretty quickly, um, at least let you know who your recruiting coach will be. Um, and then, you know, that recruiting coach will, will kind of work on their own timeline. We have about five coaches who are recruiting for us. So, you know, different, different ways and methods for each coach. And um, so that's, that's really the biggest way to go on the radar. So once we start contacting um, everyone and, and the guys that we have, you know, good grades on um, from a athletic and as much academic information that we have, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, start building that relationship. That, that's big for us. Uh, making sure that we get questions answered from pa parents and, and the recruits um, and, and kind of going through that process and getting into camp season like we're in now and people visiting, stuff like that. Then it starts to shift a little bit when we get to July. Um, July is when we can start um, doing the whole pre-read process. So this is this is July of, the, of your junior year, right? You're, yeah. You're, 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 so so you're rising senior year? Yeah, rising senior year, right okay. after you've you finish your junior year, you have the six semester transcript all done. You have your senior classes or an idea of that. Um, so that, that's the stuff that we'll be collecting over the, the summer months leading up to July. Um, and then, you know, we get, get to July and now we're doing pre-reads uh, for our guys. Um, and we won't get everyone read um, right away. You know, we're pretty selective about what, what people we get read based off of their film grades and from an athletic standpoint, but also from a standpoint of interest. 
that that weighs in a lot more than I think uh, some people realize. So if we have a guy who we think, um, you know, they have real high interests, um, there's a good possibility that they'll come. Um, you know, we want to get them read pretty early on in the process. Can you just define what you mean by a pre-read? Because that's one of those terms that are thrown out there a lot by coaches because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like every coach knows what it means, but parents hear that and they're like, yeah, I don't want to slow them down and ask a question. So could you just define what a pre-read is? Yeah. So for us, we don't want to offer kids not having vetted, so to speak, them through the admissions because, you know, obviously you can offer someone, have them apply and then get a rejection letter because academically it wasn't, you know, a good match. So we submit, you know, the different pieces of academic information to our admissions department. Uh, They have certain criteria that they're looking for and that they go through. They give us feedback on, you know, where you stand from an academic standpoint, solely academic and and where you fall from their eyes. Um, So that's, that's a pre-read process. We, us sending them, you know, that information, your six semester transcript, uh, the school profile, like I, like I talked about the senior classes um, and then some overall background information about your parents and family, stuff like that. Um, So they, then they send it back to us, tell us where you stand from an academic standpoint. And that, you know, lets us know, um, you know, where we can go next as to, you know, will it be a good academic match? So if it is a guy from a film standpoint, a football standpoint, interest standpoint that we do want to offer, we can do so having having a pretty good idea that so we, we want to kind of do that work on the front end, whether yep. than instead of having all these offers out, having guys commit and then it's like, oh, well, coach, I thought I was getting in because right. I was offered. <laughs> so so you do. It's almost like a at least the way the NESCACs have it set up. It's almost like two rounds of admissions. There's like a, an athletics pre-admissions admissions process called the pre-read and then you are taking a somewhat of a leap of faith by offering a kid before they've gotten their official trans, uh, acceptance letter yeah yeah no. so um you know when we're offering our guys um you know it's it's and, and that's a the offer is a big term too that not <laughs> yeah, a lot d- of define them offer because every what's yeah what's the middlebury definition of an offer because every school is a little different because that's thrown around so much exactly um and and so from our standpoint offer is that we will support your application through the admissions process we only are only allowed to support a few guys every class um that number changes year to year um so we can't support everyone and so when we offer guys you know we we let them know it's we don't we don't have endless spots um so we're, we're offering to support your application Um, And so, you know, our our recommendation goes a long way to helping you get admitted to Middlebury. Um, Like I said, with low acceptance rates and stuff like that, without our support and our recommendations, um, it's definitely a lot tougher to to get in. Um, So that's what offer means for us. Gotcha. And then I know I keep asking questions. So like, and then that's another term that we hear too, is we'll support you through the admissions process. Could you define, you know, obviously to the extent you're, you're comfortable, but could you define what that support looks like? Is that just your, your, the admissions department says, Hey, you guys can, you know, give us the kids you're interested in, give us this, you know, form or background information on these kids. How does, how does that work? Or, or, or could you define what support means, I guess? Yeah. Um, and I, I can't go too in depth about it, but yeah, yeah. Um, basically us, us supporting, like I said, we don't have a lot of spots. So that's why it's, 
admissions will, will give us a certain amount of spots every year um, that we can support. Um, and, and that's just, it's, you know, if your application was at one level and you've gotten our support, it's, it's kind of made a big jump in, as into uh, consideration um, from an academic standpoint, as far as admissions is, is concerned. So, gotcha. um, you know, most likely, um, you know, we, we, we never want to say something like, you know, you're definitely getting in because there's always, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, we just don't want to put someone out there and, and think, you know, coach, but you told me I was definitely getting in. Um, so, you know, it's, we, that, and that's why it's, it can be kind of like, well, you won't just say one thing or the other because you never know. Um, but also, you know, it's contingent upon you continuing to doing, doing what you have been doing. So it's kind of predictive in that, all right, well, I'm going to finish out my senior year strong. I'm going to continue to take challenging classes. Um, you know, if, you know, you get an offer and it's like, well, now I'm just going to start taking a bunch of easy classes because I've been offered and maybe I'm not doing as well. All right, well, <laughs> then, you know, it's our support's really not going to do much if you have, if you don't continue the same track that you're on. Um, and then there's also, you know, disciplinary issues, stuff like that. You know, a lot of things can come up um, sure. that, that can kind of, make our support not mean anything anymore yeah i got you yeah there's always the kid that like did everything right up until like the second half of their senior year and then just the wheels fall off and right. you're just like come on man but i but i think too like you guys put language and clarity you guys as in the nescac schools it's particularly in middlebury it's, it seems like you put a lot of clarity and language and, and depth and thought into like defining what all these terms mean for families and it's not so much the smoke and mirrors game of, Hey, we we're offering you. And the kid says, great, you're my dream school. Where do I sign? And then the, the staff has to backpedal and say, well, you know, we got to wait till something shakes out. And it's that whole issue of non-committable offers or fake offers. And um, there is certainly more moving parts. It seems like for the NESCAC in terms of admissions, but there is significantly less haziness around here. Here's what's going to happen here's the probability. It looks good, but it's not a guarantee. Um, and, but I think that's what makes considering the NESCAC conference worth it yeah. because families will get clarity very quickly on feedback. And if their kid looks like they're going to be a good fit or not. Yeah. yeah. And we're also working on, you know, pretty quick deadlines, especially, you know, the bulk of our class year in and year out will have gone early decision one in November. So you, you get a pretty quick turnaround of finding out what the decision is. Um, I think it comes out normally the second week of December for guys who have applied early decision one. So it's, it's definitely a pretty quick turnaround. And then if something does go awry, you have a bunch of months after that to, you know, be able to regroup um, whether it's, you know, it's financial aid reasons or, you know, other possibilities. Um, you have all those other months to, you know, look at places to go early decision two or places to, you know, apply regular decision if it didn't work out uh, from a NESCAC or a Middlebury standpoint. Sure. And do most kids, if they're student athletes, is, is that like, and I, I don't know this about the NESCAC or not, is it very common for a lot of the student athlete recruits to do the early decision? Yeah, um, it's it's definitely uh, the most common. Uh, like I said, the, our our biggest chunk of our class will, will have gone early decision one. Um, I think you know you, you get a pretty good sense of where you want to, for a lot of people get a sense of where you want to go pretty soon, um, and and having that kind of first choice 
um, option is, is really helpful for people and getting that back quick and, and kind of being done with the college process is, is definitely you know, nicer than going through the whole regular decision thing. Um, so that, that's definitely what we found, at least for, for our team. Uh, most of our guys are, are big on the early decision one um, timeline. Yeah, and and I think that also fights the tendency for, or the the, you know, to the the pit the pothole of like falling into that loop of just going through recruiting because you like feeling recruited. Yeah, you know, like it's it's cool when a coach DMs you and it's a cool logo and Nike or whatever, but you know, like that's also really stressful. So I think again, like having a conference where it's all set up to, you know, cut away with a lot of that ambiguity of senior year. Like, shoot, that would be great for yeah. for most seniors you can finally relax and enjoy your senior year sometimes i feel like seniors in high school i've taught seniors for like a decade they're all they're like full-time college applicants who just kind of happen to go to school part-time right. Right. <laughs> you know and it's tough it's stressful but i think at least your your program has it you know very very late well laid out for families considering it um so in terms of uh you know for like football stuff like we'll transition there real quick like what are you guys excited about like obviously you didn't play a season in 20 yeah 2020 you didn't play a season um so what are you guys looking forward to or what are you looking forward to (laughs) (laughs) all of us our our guys are extremely excited to get back out there and play um you know it's it's been a long time and it's it's gonna be different for a lot of us like i said the rosters will be bigger um, you know, we have we'll have guys who, you know, would have graduated on a normal timeline coming back. Um, but also for us, we're in the unique position of having just come off, you know, an undefeated season and winning an SCAC championship to having a year <laughs> off. And it's yeah, like, yeah. all right, well, how good are we now? <laughs> right. um, you know, we, we've but, but you get a- to be NESCAC champ, you know, two years uncontested. Yeah, we, we've been able to talk about that for, for two years now. So, <laughs> um, you know, our, our guys, especially our, our, you know, rising seniors are really excited for the opportunity to, to repeat. Um, you know, it's, it's been a while from football. Um, it's been a while from competition and, and you know, getting some, back to some form of normalcy for those guys, it's definitely going to be special. Um, so we're, we're just really excited to have the guys back. And, and have an opportunity to compete. Yeah, definitely. And then we have some coaches that listen too. you know, what would be one piece of advice you would give to young coaches first starting out coaching in college or high school? Um, or maybe what's one mistake you see most young coaches making when they're trying to establish who they are? And then what's your advice for that mistake? Um, well, my advice is always just making sure you're asking questions, just, you know, never assume that, you know, you, you've got it figured out. Um, and, and I'm in the unique position to, to be a young coach myself. So I'm still really learning. How long have um, you been at Middlebury? So this it's, I've been at Middlebury for about five years now, but I've been a student for <laughs> okay. a, a while. So this will, this will be my first, I'm finishing up my first full year of coaching actually. Um, I was on oh, that. Congrats. Thank you. I was, I was on that uh, undefeated team. Um, that was my senior year. Um, so hop right from there to coaching. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm still just making sure that I'm attaching myself to guys way smarter than me, guys who have been here longer, um, who understand um, coaching, recruiting, all that stuff a lot better than I do. And just making sure that I'm absorbing all of it. Um, so that, that's always my, my advice is just to make sure you're asking questions, um, you know, make sure that 
you know, you, you leave no stone unturned. You take that same kind of, um, you know, attention to detail that you want to instill in your players and, and bring that to your coaching craft as well and to your recruiting craft. Um, you know, all that stuff is going to matter. All that stuff makes a difference. And so making sure that, you know, the same way you want your guys to execute on the field, make sure you're executing, um, whether it's being prepared when you're coaching or um, your recruiting plan, making sure you have a plan. That, that's that's the biggest thing. We talk a lot about that for our, our athletes, um, especially, you know, our, our quarterbacks and, and our receivers. You know, what's, what's your plan? What, what was your what was your mindset going into this? Um, and so make sure you have a plan, whether it's, all right, what's my plan when I call this recruit? You know, what what questions do I want to know? What you know, message do I want to convey? All right, what's my plan when I go into this film session? You know, you know, just having a plan, executing that plan to the best of your ability, um, just making sure you can pick up and, and learn from mistakes along the way and ask questions along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. And so the best way for people listening to reach out to you is through, or Middlebury in general, would be what? Yeah, Twitter. Um, that, that's become the new, <laughs> the new yeah, way. It's the recruiting um, app. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely the recruiting app. Um, yeah, the best way to reach out to me is is Twitter. You know, if I'm always available for questions or just you know want to connect. Um, you know, we're we're really um, want to make ourselves available as as coaches to just help out with the process because, like I said, it's definitely confusing um, for a lot of families. <laughs> Um, and you know, best way to connect with Middlebury is, is follow all the social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, um, the Facebook's there, but, um, Facebook isn't as, as Facebook's for grandma (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Um, but yeah, that's the best way to reach us. Okay. Awesome. We'll cut it there. Hang on one second. Thanks for listening to the coach Cahill show. If you found today's show inspiring or helpful, please write us a review on Apple podcasts or share the show with a friend. Reviews and ratings are what help us continually attract interesting and engaging guests like the one you heard today. Remember, referrals are the best compliment.